have KB Bhullar, the Bengal, here with me. Hey, great to see you. I hope your family in Canada, as well as here in India, are all, uh, I know they're here in the Punjab, are all safe and healthy, and they've all started getting their vaccines. Yeah, no, absolutely, Hirshi. It's um, it's a crazy time in, in India and the, the world overall, and I'm, I'm sending all of my love and uh, good health to all of you in India, as well as uh, my family. It's very, very scary to hear how fast things are escalating. And uh, yeah, I really hope vaccine by vaccine and day by day, we, we, we ride out this curve. KB, you went into the fight against Tom Breeze, the Englishman, undefeated in eight fights, and then you were knocked out. What really happened? Were you nervous? Would you describe the encounter to me, please? Yeah, I mean, with that fight in particular, you're prepared as you ever can be in each fight that comes by. There's no excuses. This is just the nature of the game and the sport that we play. You know, I was coming into the fight where I was preparing for a completely different fighter going into the Dana White Contender Series. And then upon very short notice, the fight then got extended as I'm preparing for a weight cut. And then upon another short notice, I got called in to the UFC right away to fight a very gamed opponent, which happens to be Breeze. And they asked me, did you want to do it or do you not want to do it? And it was something I just couldn't say no to. That's, you know, something that we went and we felt like we were ready for. And that's, that's the nature of this sport is you can get caught with absolutely anything. So... Yeah, I mean, I felt prepared. I felt like I was ready to, to still win. And sure enough, uh, things can happen in this sport that um, can happen in a matter of seconds. So sure. uh, afterwards, did some reflecting and I know exactly what to do going in now. Talk to me about your road to the UFC. You worked very, very hard. I believe you started off as a Kung Fu fighter and then you've gone on from strength to strength. Yeah, so, you know, I started off with uh, Taekwondo very briefly, and uh, this was something where I was, you know, 14 years old, and I experienced just some severe level of bullying uh, in my school. I didn't get treated with, you know, any amount of respect that I felt like a 14-year-old kid should, should get just going to school. And, you know, that's with the color of my skin, with being overweight at the time. These were just certain things that um, I was dealing with on a, on a day-to-day basis growing up in a, you know, being a minority. And, you know, at the time, my brother was already training Taekwondo for about one to two years. And I just felt like, okay, I need to at least try something to build some confidence and also just protect myself in certain situations. And my gym at that time, the really tiny little uh, gym I was training at started MMA. That was at the time where it was in the era of Chuck Liddell and it was starting to develop a lot of noise around the world. And I fell in love with it just ever since, ever, ever since I started training MMA at 14. I knew at that young age that this is exactly what I want to do for the rest of my life. And since then, upon the time when it was legal, I was about 19 years old and I had my first amateur MMA fight and the, the rest was history. Uh, at that point, I, I knew that this is where I belong. Wow, that's quite a story. You train with Alberta's Tana, the bulldozer Boza. Just a bit about him and what your training has been all about. Yeah, I mean, Tanner has been just a huge asset to to the growth of my training and and for myself as a fighter. You know, outside of him just being one of my training partners, he's also one of my best friends. And he's someone who, you know, I get to share these experiences with, uh, especially during these times where the, you know, the, the camps are smaller in scope. It's good to have someone like Tanner to help with my training. And um, no, he's just, he's amazing. He's a great guy. And um, him and I, sure enough, on our on our off time, we like to catch Pokemon together. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. Let's come to the bout against uh, the Spartan. The Spartan uh, fans can watch KB Bullard fight against Andreas Mikhailides in UFC this Sunday. That's May the 2nd on Sony 10.2 channels English from 7.30 a.m. 
Indian Standard Time. That's 7.30 in the morning onwards. Now, Kebi, he has more strikes landed per minute and a much higher striking accuracy than you. However, you absorb more strikes per minute. How are you feeling about this fight and your chances? Yeah, I feel very confident, Hishi. I mean, going into this fight, I recognize... You know, there's there's everything that I know I need to do in order to be successful, and I'm prepared as I can be. You belong to a Punjabi family in Canada. Talk about your dad and granddad and your influences and your time in the Pind in the village when you come back to India. It must be really special, eh? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's um, it's funny. Like my my times in India, every single time that we go, my dad ensures that the first place we must stop to is our Pind. And, uh, you know, that's that's our farm village land. And, you know, pre-COVID, every single year, without a doubt, my dad would go and he could travel anywhere in the world. But his one place where he finds his heart lies is uh, his village. And he'll go um, every single year, you know, and as well as my granddad, they will all find time to still upkeep with everything and ensure that the farmland is well kept. For me, that's where my roots lie. You know, I mean, that's why with everything going on with the protest with the farmers in India, that was something that really it struck a chord because I recognized that with my parents being farmers and my family coming from that background, I wouldn't even be here in Canada. I wouldn't even be here talking to you, Hrishi, if they didn't work in that type of environment and, and work so hard towards ensuring that they felt like they were financially ready to make the move to Canada to give myself and my brother better and bigger opportunities. So yeah, like that's why representing India to a sense is such a, it hits so close to home for me because that is home. That is where everything started even before I came came into this world. So, you know, for me, just knowing where my roots lie and respecting it, it comes from a, a really deep-rooted place. Well, uh, your Indians would love to hear about any mud wrestling. <laughs> any mud wrestling you've done, talk about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kabaddi, right? Kabaddi, uh, honestly. No, no, Kushti, uh, Kushti. Kabaddi, Kabaddi is one and Kushti. Kushti is oh, where you go the, into the mud and wrestle. <laughs> okay, there you go. So I'll be honest, I haven't experienced Kushti personally, but I, can I talk about Kabaddi? Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. So, so Kabaddi, funny enough, it was a friend of mine and our cousin. They had their stag in Punta Cana was, no, no, sorry. It was, I can't even recall the name of the place, but it was a Dominican Republic, I believe. Uh -huh. And we were on this beautiful gray sanded beach. And there was like all 12 of us. We went on the beach and we played Kabaddi. Like we had two of our friends that played and it, it's just a blast. You know, we're in our little tight short shorts and uh, we've got like one of our friends sprinting and running and falling in the sand and just eating it, getting back up again. And it, it was, it was so much fun. We actually have, uh, you know, certain friends of ours that played like nationally in Canada. So I just love, like, it'd be funny if they did a fight where you kept having to say a word. Like that's yeah. what amazes me where like you keep having the to say control. Kabaddi, yeah. Kabaddi, Kabaddi while you play. So that's just another added element to um, exert more exhaustion, right? What about the Monica, the Bengal? Are you a fan of the Bengal tiger? Was it a suggestion from someone? Tell us about it. Yeah, you know what? It's definitely something where for me, it's, it's my favorite animal and you know when i look at the, the bengal tiger of course it comes with the significance of uh you know like being being like like india's like national like figure to a degree so for me i really enjoy it because there there's just that level of fierceness that comes with the tiger and recognizing that um you you really don't know what's next or you have no idea what's to be expected of a tiger but you do know looking at it that it's very dangerous and um you know it's at any waking minute or at any making moment it can um, it can make its move right so beautiful exotic animal and uh that's it's, it's something that 
I felt like when people started calling me the bangle, it just, it just stuck. I was like, all right, this is it. Let's do it. It's kind of one of those things that just get given to you, right? Yeah. What about your passions when you're not fighting? I believe you're a dog lover. Yeah, yeah. You guys do your homework. I love it. Um, yeah, I got a new dog just shortly after my last fight and Azor is my dog's name. And yeah, that's what I spend my time doing. I fight and train and come back and I hang out with my dog. And I, I really enjoy Stephen King books. I, I'm an avid reader. I've, I'm wow. reading the green, the green Mile right now. And yeah, I just, I, I like to be in good company. You know, I like to hang out with my parents and hang out with my uh, brother and my, my, my small group of friends. You know, that's for me, I just, there's fighting and I'm just starting to recognize and appreciate that. Okay. Outside of fighting, you, you do have to have to have a life outside of it too. So like there's, there's my one day on Saturdays where I'm like, okay, I started to do this where I'm like, I just need to not look at anything quote unquote work related today <laughs> and uh, just hang out with my dog, take it to the dog park and just be with close friends. And then every other day is from the moment I wake up to the moment I sleep, it has to do with training, right? Awesome. You better tell us whether you like uh, the Tom Hanks movie, The Green Mile, better than the book or vice versa, whether the book is better than the movie. I don't know if you've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, book all the way. More details. Yeah. yeah. Uh, your inspiration in the UFC, who's the fighter you grew up watching uh, KB and why did you adore him yeah i mean if, if there's anything like two fighters that come to mind right at the top of my head are uh vanderlei silva and, and anderson silva these are just two guys in the sport who you know they're very different styles but at the same time they go in and they have such a large set of confidence that comes with them anderson silva i mean he's someone who every second you'd watch him you have no idea what's to come next and just as striking is it's fantastic. It's beautiful. And then Vanderlei Silva is just a straight killer. Like he's, he was just somebody who, you know, you, you know, you'd watch him, especially in his pride days where, uh, you know, every single fight that happened, he, he would do and inflict damage. So I enjoy guys like that, especially someone like Anderson Silva, who just has a big heart as well. They are first martial artists before they are fighters. And uh, that, that is where even George St. Pierre comes to mind as well, where even my dad, he, he calls George St. Pierre GPS. And he's always like, hey, is, is it GPS fighting? And I'm like, dad, it's, it's GSB. He's like, no, no, it's GPS. You need to be more like GPS. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, dad, I'll, I'll do my best to. But I, I find because my family, why why they love him so much and, and myself is uh, he's a martial artist first, you know, and he just respects his opponents at the end of the day. He recognizes that if it weren't for them, he wouldn't be where they're at. So yeah, just guys like that who they're more than just a fighter. They have a, a good nature and high qualities of respect that um, come with them. Yeah. So exactly why I want to know your feelings towards Andreas Michaelides. You know, what do you want to tell your fans as you go into that big matchup which is the bengal versus the spartan yeah i mean if there's anything i'd like to say is uh I, I wish him the best of luck and i'm sure and i hope he's as prepared as um he can be as i am this is a very very fair matchup as well as you know he's going into this fight with the same mindset as me i recognize that this this fight has a lot a lot of weight attached to it it's very important uh, we're both coming out of it at a short-term notice loss in the UFC. And now we have to do whatever it takes to make sure that uh, given the circumstances that we come out of it uh, on top. So yeah, I wish him the best of luck. And I know that uh, there will be fireworks in this fight. Lovely. Warriors code, respect for the opponent. Tell us about your life before you got into MMA. Did you hold a regular job just your life before that? Yeah, I mean, like if I look at it this way, Rishi, my life kind of is everything to do with MMA, you know, if there was one little, you could just say hiccup in the road was when I was getting my university degree. Uh, I mean, at first, I, I promised my parents that I would, you know, they wanted me to become a doctor. 
And then at that time, I tried to do it. I'm still young. I was 18. I just wanted to fulfill my parents' wishes. I wanted to make sure that, you know, they were happy with whatever decision I made career-wise. But then along the way, I mean, being 19, going into MMA, and then having a year break, promising my parents that, you know, give me one year and let me see what I could do with this and I'll go back to school. So that happened. I had four fights and it was a lot of like on and off, right? On and off where went to school, took a break. Then after the break, I went and I realized I didn't want to become a doctor. And I finished with uh, a business degree majoring in accounting. And that was pretty much at the time, the most safest and secure thing I could do. And uh, for just about a year, I worked for Ernst & Young, an accounting firm, wow. and I hated it. Most guys would li- give an, an arm and a leg to be part of ENY. Most Indian yeah. guys, let me put it this way. No, totally. I, I understand. A lot of people are probably be like, why'd you give that up? But uh, no, I'm a big believer in, in do what you love and go go all the way, the distance before you decide to do anything else. I mean, I even said this in the other interview. I don't want to look back 10, 20 years from now and, and look at my kids, if I have kids and, and go, you know what, go follow your dreams. And if they ask me if I did and I tell them, well, I didn't follow it all the way, I, I don't want to do that. I want to at least be able to say to myself and um, whoever I bring into this world that, you know, I tried my best. I went all the way. And and now here we are doing it. And it just flash forward now looking back and reflecting. I mean, it's so tough too sometimes when you're so busy looking forward or staying in the present. But I'm really glad I made that decision to leave EY and go back to fighting. You know, sure enough, I couldn't do both at the same time, but the clock was ticking and the itch kept scratching. And I recognized that I belong in this field. My, my friends and my family kept telling me, are you ever going to go back? And for me, it was about damn time where recognizing just how upset and just overall just depressed I felt waking up every day, servicing something else that just didn't fit who I am and, and what I want to do. I was still training at the time, but it wasn't, it couldn't be done at the high level and fashion I wanted it to. So yeah, I ended up leaving my job and uh, here we are today. <laughs> you know, I, I just went guns blazing again and really glad I made that decision. Yeah, the rest is history. Now, let me ask you a desi question. Who's your favorite Indian actress? So if there's a movie night at home, you know, who's, who's movie, who do you like to see on screen? And um, your favorite Indian music artist, what's on your playlist? So favorite actress, favorite Indian music artist on your playlist? Oh, I love that. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like growing up, I had, uh, you know, in the, like, the 2000s era, like the Shah Rukh Khan era, I was crushing heavy on Rani Mukherjee. Oh, she's and, beautiful. Uh, Zita. When, when they were in ah, their with prime, the dimples. Oh, I would, <laughs> I would smile. <laughs> oh, man. I would, when they're singing in their beautiful songs in the Bollywood movies, man, I would, like, my mom and my brother would look over at me and they'd see me smile. And, uh, yep, I, I remember those days. I'd be Googling their pictures. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, they're, they're, they're top two for sure. They're, they're, they're the goats. For my favorite Indian singing artist, you know what? Uh, A.R. Raman, his music is so soulful. Every yeah. time I put it on and I just need to get in the uh, get in the zone, I'll listen to his music. And as far as uh, Punjabi music right now, Siddhu Vuswala, I've come out to his songs as well. So yeah. that kind of gives you the, the dynamic of, of going soulful and then quickly going right into like what is India's like rap and hip hop music now. <laughs> yeah, you know, Brown Monday has really become one, a represent song for the community, hasn't it? You know, yeah, people are going crazy with that one around the world. Yeah. What does being in the UFC mean? to you at the core of what you are i mean i know it, it, it's almost like a dream come true and there are miles to go but uh, what does it really mean to you yeah i mean if i if i take some of the core values right out of the, the ufc textbook here is it just means like it's, it's a high level of honor it's um it's a mutual level of respect 
for those you're doing it with. As much as it's just you being in that octagon, you have respect for the person that is in front of you. You have respect for your coaches and your teammates who um, were a part of the journey in getting here. And um, it's just the highest level of discipline that you need to carry forward to, to still belong in this organization and in this sport. This, this sport's no joke. I mean, it's, it's no walk in the park. You're, you're going in there and you're putting your entire life on the line, literally. You can walk into a fight and you can walk out a completely different person. And I mean that mentally and physically. So I, I treat this sport and I treat what I do at the highest level of uh, um, respect, honor, and discipline. And I recognize that you need to make every single day count in this sport. And, and what I love about this, and especially being in the UFC, is you're, you're surrounded around other people that are living and breathing that same mentality. So you are, in a sense... I wouldn't say forced, but you're that much more likely to respect and understand that in order to be the best, you have to surround yourself around people like this. So for me, this is this is my life now. This is this is everything that I've been working hard towards. And come May 1st, I, I must show and will show that uh, I belong here. That's very, very beautifully put and answered. So your thoughts on Dana White and his leadership? Yeah, I find what Dana White is doing and, and keeping as far as the ship intact is it's very respectable. I mean, Dana White is the first sports leader and icon out of any other sport to still keep going and not stop during this global pandemic. Just, just to like, every time I've spoken to like any UFC correspondent, they have nothing but good things to say about him. And, you know, I just, I appreciate everything that he's done to ensure that us fighters still have jobs and uh, to ensure that we can still do what we love. So, um, yeah, I highly, highly respect him. Haven't met him yet, but um, definitely appreciate everything he's done. Last couple of questions. I see pictures on your social media feed of you hanging out at Frank Lee's Muay Thai Kickboxing Gym. And there's this really sweet looking guy of Chinese descent. You want to tell me about the him and the place? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, that must be uh, Kedro. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, no, I mean, being with Frank Lee's now has definitely been a huge factor in the, in the growth of uh, my style and my performance as an MMA fighter. I, I finally feel like I have a striking coach. You know, I, I've grown very fond of Cade Rowe and I respect everything that he's said to me. You know, it's like the way he teaches, it's funny. Like we always mention how, you know, a, a student is always looking for a good coach but a coach is also looking for a good student well said. and, and, well and said. There's, yeah, there's, there's a match there's a match there where there's just going to be certain styles of how the coach pretty much delivers information that's going to really stick to a student and um that's really my match with Kedro. he describes things in metaphors for me and that's the best way to learn and he also sees everything he sees certain holes in my game that need to be fixed you know i, I came in there and um He's just like, you know, you know, all the ABCs. It's just a matter of taking certain things, you know, and, and creating new words with it. And, um, you know, we, we've done a lot to uh, improve my game. And uh, I, I appreciate Kedro tremendously and uh, being a big part of uh, making me here and have this conversation. Lovely. My last question is about your diet. So what's your diet like? Do you have cheat days when you can just have your uh, ghee prote and uh, alu gobi and things <laughs> like that? <laughs> Yeah, so, I was gonna let, say. I mean, <laughs> so let's I, talk about your your fighter's diet and then your cheat diet. Oh, absolutely. I uh, yeah, I wish I could eat alu pranti every single day. You know, my my, my mother and my grandmother make fantastic <laughs> pranti. But um, you know what? Uh, yeah, when it's a fight camp and you're like you know four, three, four months out of a fight, yeah, you have to make sure you're being yeah. 
uh, very smart about what you're putting in your body. Uh, nutrition is a very important aspect of, um, you know, our, our cardiovascular endurance and just making sure that uh, we have enough energy going into our fights. As far as, yeah, cheat days go. Yeah, I feel like they, they should exist. They're important, you know, especially, I mean, once you're, once you're done a fight, I mean, if you look and see what I eat, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty horrendous. I, <laughs> I like my ice cream and I like my poutines and, um, you know, I enjoy all those, you know, aspects of food. I'll do it for like, it's starting to get shorter and shorter. I'll do it for like a week and then I'll do it four days. And then after like, I'll do it for two days. I already feel sick to my stomach, but, um, no, you have to enjoy You, you need, you need balance. You know, like a normal way of looking at it is, yeah, have like a cheat meal once a week. There, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, of course, in a fight camp, you uh, you need to make sure everything you're putting in your body is important. But other than that, yeah, balance is good. Awesome. Listen, all your Indian fans, uh, because UFC is really blown up right here in India, are going to be in your corner on the second early in the morning, watching you take on the Spartan and sending you that spiritual energy so that you can go out there and win. Thank you very much, uh, KB, the Bengal Buller, for talking to me. Cheers. Thank you. I appreciate it. You take care, boss. That was a fun interview. Thank you.